I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my best buddy, Chief John Salka. And we're getting loaded up here for the holidays. And uh, uh, John, um, you know, <laughs> we always say this, how we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants with these shows. Um, oh, by the way, uh, congratulations. We hit another 100,000 downloads, which is pretty cool. Podbeam actually sent us the... Uh, little congratulatory uh message so that's pretty cool great, great, great. Yep. thank everybody that that tunes in and shares this uh john and i we just have fun with this we don't get paid to do this um we just have fun man it's just us talking shop like we love to do but john um i, I got an idea for this one um uh, especially with with the holidays coming up and we talked before about being at the Joey D uh, seminar, the memorial seminar that Chief Joe puts on for his son, Joey, obviously one of your instructors from FDIC, uh, Rescue 3 firefighter, we lost him as a result of, of Black Sunday. What a great guy. And Chief Joe, again, uh, I'm going to say it again, he would not like to hear me call him the legend because legends don't like that, but he is an absolute legend. But that Friday night, John, at the conference we've talked about many times for on a show about the night before the teaching where everybody gets together upstairs and they have a few drinks and, you know, a few sodas or a few, a few beers or whatever. And then at the, up at the podium, Chief Joe kicks it off and he has all the different guests come up and they start talking and telling the stories and, and, you know, some funny, some serious, but some, a lot of them are just, and I, I've said before, God, he should, he should have been taping those. The, the, well, maybe some of them, <laughs> but I, I'm like, God, there's, there was so much wisdom, so much, in, in the in the, in, the, in the area of cool stuff, and then I thought about you and I talk about some of the great moments in our career, and a lot of people will ask you. We, I know we've been traveling, and people come over. So, Chief Salka, what was one of your best moments? What was one of your toughest days? What was one of your best days, and all that? And and uh, I thought, you know, we just spent a little time here talking about uh, maybe a little reminiscing about you've 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 got forty five plus years in the fire service. I'm over forty. And, and it goes by fast. How about, I mean, it, it, in the blink of an eye, I think it seemed like yesterday you were driving your Jeep, you know, running to the firehouse in, in, in uh, Mineola when they blow the legendary Mineola uh, rooftop siren. It seems just like yesterday, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. And, and, and just, you know, the stuff, um, uh, the people and the moments, um, I, I mean, if we're gonna, if we were gonna start talking about some of the best moments, you know, that we've we've been, we've witnessed or have been part of our careers, I mean, I know I can go back. I've got a bunch. What would you say um, are some of the best moments career-wise? Because I have a couple personal stories I want you to tell as right, well. But right. 
Right. What, what were some of your most exciting moments or that, you know, where you were out of your mind excited about what was going on? Was it getting out of the FTNY or your first fire and the first time riding the rig uh, in, in, in uh, Mineola or what, what was it? You know what? I, I just wrote, I just, I just put a pen to paper and I just wrote a couple of things down. Uh, just, just little, little, little one-liners on ideas. And, and that was actually one of them. You know, when I joined Mineola Fire Department out in Long Island, Bali Outfit, where I lived, my little hometown that I was born and raised in, and uh, I joined the Volunteer Fire Department, and I, I, we talked about that before. I, I know it's different everywhere you go, but back then it was a, it was an election. You had to get voted in, but you had to be sponsored in first, you know. And and Billy Bowen, who later who later died tragically, not tra- I guess you could call it tragically. It wasn't an accident. It was a heart attack. But but a very young man. He was an active. He was an active Nassau County police officer going to work. And he had a heart attack, if I remember correctly, you know, in the vehicle on the way to work. He wasn't even on duty. And, and he died. Nice, nice guy. I wasn't really friends with him, but I was very friendly with him. He lived down a block. He was much, much older than me. I, w- I was a young kid, 18. He was he was a cop. And uh, But he's a guy that sponsored me because he was my neighbor and he lived down the block. And, you know, he must have saw something he liked, right? So he sponsored me into the company. And then, and then eventually... Unlike America now with the Volunteer Fire Service, Volunteer Fire Service now is at a crossroads between continuing as volunteers or starting to get part paid guys in or paying guys maybe a couple of bucks for runs to keep them coming around or whatever. Not, another issue for another show. I actually write that down. That's a good one. But uh, but back then it was full volunteer and we had three companies in Mineola and each one had 50 people, 50 members and 50 members only, not 51. And if it was full, it was full and they didn't accept any new members. And when somebody resigned, retired, died or whatever, uh, they would open it up and whoever was next on the, on the sheet that had put an application in anyway, my, my time eventually arrived and they invited me to the meeting and, and they voted and they voted back then. This is 1976. They voted back then, uh, maybe 75, even I don't, I have to look at it. Um, they voted back then by, by a blue, uh, a black ball and a white ball. There was a, a wooden box. I can still <laughs> see it. A wooden, a, a square wooden box about not even 12 inches, maybe 10 yeah, inches yeah. square, 10 inches high. It was like a cube with a top on it. And the top simply had a little round hole in it. And they passed it around the room. They walked into the room. They introduced you. This is John Salka. Billy Bowen is his sponsor. He lives on Alberton Place. He's 18 years old. He's going to college. He's interested in joining the company. And they would pass it around. Clink, clink, clink. Everybody in the room got to drop a ball in, in, in the box. And if there was, you know, 30 guys there, there had to be 30 white balls. If there was one black ball, out the door you went. Hence the phrase, hence the phrase being blackballed. You know, that's, that's been right. around for a couple that's hundred years. Right. Being blackballed, out the door you went. Which listen, who your sponsor was 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 meant as much as who you were, maybe more, right? <laughs> you got a good sponsor, a good solid guy in the company. So so I got in. And it's really, I'm sorry to, to take so long for a story, but and and then you know, they hand you a leather helmet like it was nothing back then. They were red. Yeah, yeah. The three companies had different helmets. Engine one had black helmets, truck two had red helmets and engine three had yellow helmets. Each so so, so let, me, let me get this straight. So when you, when you were voted on as a volunteer, you're given a red helmet. So that meant you went to a truck company. Is that right? Believe it or not. I guess so, I, so, I, I, again, I was young and stupid. So, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I went to the so truck company. That was, Billy, was for, Billy Bowen's truck. For, that was his company. For all the times you've blown shit at me about being a truckie yeah, and all that stuff. I, so for all our listeners, so I, all you admit, classes, I was a dope in the truck too. You so know? Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, for the record, Chief John Sulka started as a truckie. And, and <laughs> rode on a tiller. And I'll tell you what, oh. talk about fun, riding on a tiller rig. And I've what, kind of rig? what kind of rig? 
it, it was a it was a seventy one if I remember. It might have been a seventy two. Um, Seagrave, oh. a foot tiller with a beautiful. If you had that, if you had the tiller cab, the, the the cab that the tillerman sat in, if you had that on a tiller today, it would look like it was built for today. That's how modern it was back oh, then. Wow. Otherwise, the rest of the rig looked, looked pretty basic. But what was interesting was, obviously there was three or four seats. No, I no, I think there was just two seats because the motor was between the jump seats, right? So you had the cab. And then there was two jump seats. So two guys could jump on. Of course, four guys always did because one guy would sit and one guy would stand, right? Uh, but beyond that, you actually rode on the side step of the of the trailer, which was so cool. And Mineola had another great uh, tradition. So if the siren went off and you're responding, the firehouse was in the middle of the block on Washington Avenue. Each end of the block was a not a T intersection, but a regular 90 degree intersection with Willis Avenue and Mineola Boulevard. If you made the turn, if I was coming from home, I'd be coming off Willis Avenue. If I made the turn onto Washington Avenue and, and 5 8 and, and 5 8, what, what, what was the uh, 165? If 165 was coming down a block, if I immediately pulled to the curb and jumped out of my car, they'd stop for you. <laughs> Only on Washington Avenue. So that truck might go, stop for one guy, two guys. Drive down the back of one, stop for the next guy. When he hit the corner, he was gone. You not stop for anything. But how cool. All you had to do was make the block. You just had to make the block, and you could jump on the side. And then there was like nine sets of gear on both sides of the trailer in, in a nice covered sort of curved top compartment. You open it up, put the helmet on, pull a coat on, and pull the boots out, and put the boots on. And you could get dressed while you're responding, hanging on the damn side. Of, of the tractor of a tiller going down oh, Jericho. Let do me you, tell you, now, you it's exciting to have, talk about. Do you still have that that helmet by chance? Or did you have to turn it in when you left? Oh, long gone, long gone. Had to See, turn it in. Yeah. And I'm looking over my shoulder. I still have one. When, when when I got on Justice when I was 18, I'd been an explorer and all that stuff. You know, Justice is on the south side of Chicago, southwest side, next to Bedford Park, where I had the, the honor of serving and Bridgeview and Summit, Willow Springs, where I was a police officer. I, you know, um, and in Justice, where I worked on the law enforcement side too, but I still have my first helmet, my first leather, you know, with the back brim was, I had it flattened out, you know, instead of curving now, it hit me on my, because the old bottles, you know, were really high, you know, flattened out. And I had, I, I took the, 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 the Eagle, which was all smashed up off the top from smashing windows and stuff. I remember they used to make those brass or aluminum, you know, they were almost like a high top. You could put it, you could put it, you could put a, a tall front piece on if you wanted to. But you screwed that in. You took the you took the crunched up, smashed up aluminum one off, and you a lot of Chicago guys. And that way you could you could take windows with your helmet and you know. And I, the the two coolest things was getting that helmet. I'm number thirteen, my favorite number. All right, number thirteen, and then putting that cutting out that piece of diamond plate, John, for the back of my decor flashlight. You know, the flashlight for for young guys used to carry in your hands, or you'd snap it on your your truckman's belt, and on the back side on the flat side of that big decor flashlight with the big giant battery in it and all that stuff, you, you, you would cut a piece of diamond plate and then bend it over the handle, screw it. So you could do the same thing. You could, you could bust through sheetrock. You could bust windows. Like if you did, you'd break the handle. So you had the diamond you guys plate. carry any tools. You're breaking shit with your helmet. <laughs> yeah, we carry tools, but I got, I, I can remember the same thing. I'm, I can remember staring at my gear on a gear rack going, this is it. Now, I also remember the very first fire I went to, I got trapped in 8639 South 87th Avenue, the Ridgewood oh, Apartment wow, Complex. Ridgewood Apartment Complex, uh, it's building one, big complex of justice. 
me, Eddie French was the officer and um, he was a captain and John Hazel and the, the gangbangers there, John, were starting fires in the, in the basements, in the laundry rooms and the storage rooms because it would run each floor, right? So you'd have fire in each floor when you got there at five in the morning. So we get to the third floor. We're up there. There's fire out to the hallway because the door is open to the unit. And, and, and Jimmy Colon, good guy. He was the driver, you know, five in the morning, kind of cobwebs in the head. He's pumping. And we used to take this long 300 foot pre-connect off the back to make it all the way into that, you know, top floor. And we're, you know, Eddie French, no air pack on front piece, you know, or not front piece, but his uh, helmet, leather helmet all smushed up in front, missing half his teeth. He's yelling on the radio to charge a line. And I remember they're, they're 551 lines charge and no water's coming and no water's coming and no, and it's getting hotter and the fire's rolling out and he's yelling and the water's on the way. We, we kept getting this water's on the way. And I'm like, and then I, I hear a thud behind me and the fire burned through the door behind us. So I remember John Hazlett flipping the dry hose line, kind of trying to flip it against the, the, the molding on the floor away. Cause the fire was starting to, you know, it was starting to, you know, burn. And I'm like, I'm going, this is my first fire. I'm so hot, John. I'm screaming in my mask going, what the hell am I doing here? And Richie Spar was the captain engine 53 pulls up and he walked, he like kind of runs over to the first engine. And what had happened was Jimmy Cole, good guy, but you know, in the morning, you know, you know, instead of charging the right rear discharge, he charged the left rear, which was capped. So he kept yelling and he was like, it's going, it's going. But I'm like, no, it's not. So Richie looks at the pump handle, pulls the knob, water goes up. I remember spraying water over my head, like frantically going, what? I even told my dad, I said, holy crap, I'm not so sure, <laughs> you know, and, and, but I'll say this, it was one of the coolest moments of my career for a learning uh, experience about pushing in too far, having an officer not wearing his BA on his back and all this oh, stuff and so on and so forth. My goodness. But, but for the first fire, it was like, I could, and John, I'll tell you another moment when I graduated paramedic school, you know, out of all the certifications, uh, degrees, everything else that, that I, I've been worked hard towards, that was the hardest because I was a jock in high school. I didn't take math. I had to have my buddy, Jack Azzarello, his wife was a nurse, helped me study for pharmacology. I, I just, it was, it was, it was like months and months and months of just God busting my ass. And I just remember graduating John, and, and with the first time I'm in the back of the ambulance by myself, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying it was just, I wanted to be Johnny Gage from, from emergency, and I was. And it was just such a cool moment, you know, and that wrapped me into, all of a sudden now I'm working for Bill Allen. You've heard me talk about Bill as my lieutenant. And, and that's why I started thinking that day about all these really cool moments. I'm going, golly, man, I mean, just, so when you got on, tell me, the feeling, I know what you went through. We've told that story before, how you got in the FDNY, but lifelong dream. That's what you wanted. You were down in Titusville, great fire department in Florida for, for a short time. I mean, the phone call, I mean, you, we always talk about, you remember the phone call, but when you knew you had the, when you were starting the Academy, the, the Academy for the FDNY, I know what I felt like when I started. I mean, that, that, that just had to be, I don't ever, I've never heard anybody really talk about it. I've never heard anybody say, well, I remember my first day in the cabin. You hear Marines say, I remember when I got the parasite, stepped off the bus and stood on those two yellow feet on the ground. You hear that all the time. But I don't hear that many guys talk about my first day in the Chicago Fire Academy or what it was like, you know, the energy when you first got, getting out of your, your Jeep, your car, going, this is it, man. I mean, the excitement I had remember. to be incredible. I remember. I'm going to show you that. Oh, good God. So he, John showed me a picture of them being sworn in. 
You see I mean, me? Look at you. Coat and tie. Everybody's know? supposed to wear a coat and tie. You're told to wear a coat and tie. You wear a coat and tie. Everything, everything looked at, right? And this, this, is, this is my buddy, uh, Van Johnson, who provides uh, – he, he's a big volley out in Long Island, too. He's retired now. He drove uh, – he, he drove some some big shot chiefs towards the end of his career. Um, what what? So I'm glad he got, got killed in a line of duty right here. He died. Oh. He died at a. He he burned to death right here. Oh. He was a captain in Brooklyn at a collapse. Him and a couple of guys got trapped and burned. Tough. Well, so so for our listeners, John just showed me a picture of of him being sworn in. You know, all of them standing there with their hands up in the air, being sworn in to start everything. I'm glad you figure out how how to use a, a you know a comb and how to get your hair cut because you look like a damn oh, man. My my Good. hair was long. You can hardly Good see my God, hair. man. Now, I do think... remember arriving there. I remember going to the to the to the. Now you see, back then, that's 1979. Back in the 70s, when you got sworn in, that was a big day. Families came and everything else. You're all oh. dressed up. There's people all in the there's people all in the uh, in the other seats. You know, up on up on the balcony watching and you know, clapping and all this other stuff. Now they don't do that in the FDNY anymore. Now when you get sworn in, they tell them no families, no nothing. Just show up with a, with a I think they just have to show up with like a button down shirt and trousers, right? Be clean shaven. And, and I don't think they tell me the exact haircut yet until I get there, but it's not an event. It's not a success. It's not a job. They tell them you're not on the job yet. You're sworn in. So you're protected by insurance during training. If you don't make it do training, we just throw the paperwork away and we send you to the front gate. And that's it. When you when you graduate, when you graduate, then they have a graduation yeah, day. Yeah. And that's when the families all come down. You know, and you're a class and they call A's, it family day and they do a whole big they do a whole big thing. Climbing on scaling ladders and you know, rappelling and stuff like that. They do a big thing. But back then, day one was day one. And I remember walking into the academy. It was still hard to believe. FDNY Academy, reading all the plaques and look at the pictures on the walls and the rigs oh. parked outside. It's exciting, as I said a minute ago about the last story I told. It's exciting to talk about. Now, that was Mineola was my first fire department that I ever got on. And, of course, Titusville, Florida was my second. FDNY was the third fire department I got on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I know. And, I, and it's fun because you were in Titusville I, for a short time, and you still talk so highly of them. Oh, it was such a great. Now, now, there's a place that I got the phone call. Yeah, I didn't get a phone call for FDMY. FDMY, you're hearing about it, watching. You want, you're buying a civil service newspaper. The Chief is the name of that newspaper. And it's got all the lists every every week. So out once a week. And every week it's got all the lists. Sanitation, uh, you know, sanitation department list, Port Authority list, and FDMY list. And it would say, okay, FDMY is uh, estimating another 300-man class coming up. And here's the next, you know, 400 names. If you can see your name on there, they would always post a list with the numbers and everything. Oh, saw your name with your number. My number was 1668. For FDNY, 1,668 was my list number. But 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 to get back to Titusville for a minute, there's there's a place that I got a phone call. That's the only place of all the fire departments I've been in that I got a phone call. And I remember Richie Bonnet's my friend. We were both volleys in Mineola. We both got on a job. He got on a job as well with, with me in the FDNY. But we both went down to Titusville, Florida. Actually, we drove down and went to the Florida State Fire Academy in Ocala, which was a 200-hour class. It was like a month long. And even back then, we're talking 1976, um, 77, you, you had, there was a, a, a rigid, a stringent state-given physical test that you had to take to get to be a firefighter in Florida. And when you went to the Ocala Fire Academy, not only did they teach you all about being a firefighter, 
but they also ran you every day and did sit-ups and pull-ups, the exact mirror of the actual physical you had to take, they gave to you. So when you took it, it was a bunt. So we graduated Ocala. We both had our 200-hour certificates. We started looking. You, you buy the newspaper. You look under Help Wanted. You look under F for Firefighter. There's, there's, there's places there listing. Firefighters, you know, test to be given. And we started traveling around. We took Tampa. We took Titusville. We took uh, some couple of counties. And anyway, we, we took Titusville. There was about 20 guys showed up. And I specifically remember this. They told us, okay, uh, they told you what to bring when you came. You had to bring your shorts and sneakers and T-shirt. They said, we're not going to give you the written test yet. We're going to give you the physical first. More people fail the physical than the written. So they gave us the physical test that first day. We were down to like seven guys out of 20 that passed. All seven were guys that we went to school with in Ocala. They all came from this class <laughs> that we were just with. And, and Rich Bonas and I got hired. We got hired there. And, well, and I remember we were, we were staying in a little local motel because we didn't live there. We were staying in a little local. We had this big, gigantic pamphlet of all our accomplishments from where? From Mineola. Ladder truck chauffeur. All the different schools that we had under our belt. Ladder company operations. Forcible entry. You had all that stuff on Mineola letterhead. And, and we got hired. I remember it was a phone call. Also, the phone rings. Bonus answers it. Yes. Hi, Chief. How are you? Good. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be honored. That, that, yeah. Yes, he's here. Hold on. He hands me the phone. And, and he said, well, well. Well, you're going to be a farmer. That's I remember. That's what I said. You're going to be a farmer. That was Richard Cherry was the guy's name. He was a big old Southern boy. Now that big fat husky guy like you, fit as a fiddle, but like like a like a, a rock. And he just passed away recently. He was a great guy. He was a great guy. And uh, they hired so, us, and off we went. So 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 you 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 know like I said, I remember walking in the first time. I used to sit in front of Bedford Park's main firehouse which was down the street from my, my Valley house in justice. And I sit there like at midnight, one just staring at the rigs going, God, one day, please let me just, you know, one day, just, you know, I just, I, I, I and used they were to inside just, saying, yeah, that kid's still, that kid's out there. <laughs> I used to dream about that. And they, and they let me do my provisional write offs for paramedics in there for as a paramedic. So I got to, I got to work with them and all that. So I got to know the guys there. And I used to just sit there. That's why I told you when we drove the ladder truck home from, from South Blooming Grove back to Wichita West, John, I'm telling you, I had a moment when I sat behind the wheel and looked at that Seagrave emblem on that steering wheel on the horn, you know, in the middle of the steering wheel, I got, I was like, I remember sitting in those rigs going one day, man, one day. And that one day came and, oh my God, I could, I could still remember that. I could still remember, you know, there's so many things that were so many, you know, there's always little bumps you hit here and there, but so many fun times. Um, I, I can't imagine the excitement of you walking into rescue three, your first day being assigned to rescue three. Oh my um, God. You know what? I didn't even have that written down here. That, the that rescue a, three. That's a story in itself. Now, when you're on the FDMY, you know, engine truck, whatever you're in, right. Obviously there's only five rescues. It's a special operations. And, but but you need to know that that's a, spittle, a pretty special thing. Before there was such a thing as special operations, there was just special units, you know? And it was like, holy shit, could you imagine going to a rescue? Now, where I went, I went to 34 engine, slowest engine Manhattan. I got right out of there as fast as I could, which took me about a year. And I went to 11 truck, which was a super duper fantastic place. That's where I became a fireman. Met some great, great guys there. Some guys I'm still friendly with, Marty Monahan and others. Um, but then I was there for a couple of years and it was, as busy as it was, as good as the fires were, a couple of guys from that place had gone to rescue one, had gone to rescue two. And it was like, that was like, that was like going from a firefighter to a rescue company was like 
dreaming of getting on the FDNY. It was almost the same kind of a feeling, like holy shit, if I can get to a rescue, you know. It's got to be and like gotta, a, it's got to be like a college football player getting drafted, right? By the Chicago right. Bears. You're already talented. You're already skilled. You're already a, a legitimate football player. You're already playing the game, but you're going to get to the next level, and that's exactly what it was. And that's not a knock against any truck because there are guys probably laughing, listening to this right now, saying, ah, screw you and your rescue shit. I was in the best truck in the job and, and no rescue guys better than us. And, and they're right. And they're right. But 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 wanting to go to the rescue is something I wanted to do. And, and I did. So I finally went up there and you, they call it the blue stool interview. You call it, it happened a couple of times. He finally says, all right, why don't you come up? We'll sit down. And blue is the color of the rescue front piece. So everything is, you know. So you go up there and you talk. So what are you doing? Where you work? What do you want to do? By then I had two medals. I had two medals on my chest from 11 truck. Oh. Unbelievable, which is un- unheard of. Five less than five years on a job, right? And um, along with being an eleven truck, which which was well known at that time in the job, that, you know, even though Rescue Three didn't go down there, they knew eleven truck was a busy outfit. And blah 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 blah. So I must have presented myself well. I got on the list, and there's a list there, just like everywhere else. You go to the front if he likes you better enough, and they pretty much put you on the list. And I guess there were a lot of guys retiring at the time. Must have been the old, the old. The old school was starting to go, you know, and new guys were coming in. Nick Giordano got in and all these other young guys got in. And I remember stopping there occasionally. I'd have to practically drive past Rescue 3 to go home from 11 truck. And one day I stopped there on the way home. And uh, McKeon, Jack McKeon was working. The Fireboat McKeon is named after his dad. Right. And uh, if I remember correctly, his dad could be, could have been his uncle, but it it was his relative. And uh, anyway. As soon as you said that name, I knew it. Yep. And he was working that day. Oh, Salka, yeah, I recognize the name. I think you're on a list. Yeah, yeah. I said, listen, the captain told me to stop by once in a while. I don't mean to bother you. No, no, no. Come on upstairs, kid. Sit down. Let's. You know what? We just had two guys retire. Let me see what the captain's got going here, you know? And hold on a second. Let me give him a call. And, and he walks out of the room. He comes back about five minutes later. Well, you're in. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? He said, I just talked to the captain. You're in. You, you, we'll we'll, uh, we'll send oh. the paperwork through. And... Uh, Let's see, what's today? Like uh, Tuesday? <laughs> Pro- probably around Friday. Around Friday, you'll, you'll get the detail slip down there. When you go to work next time, uh, they'll probably have the detail slip in the battalion. Oh, God. I'm like, that's it? That's it? He said, that's it. You'll be here for a detail on an onion skin, they called it. Onion skin. You know the onion skin paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see that? Yeah. yeah that paper that you can almost see through? That's why they call it onion skin, because that's how it usually came down. To, you know, from, from Rescue Company... Firefighter John Salcolata, one one badge, so and so will be will be detailed to Rescue Company three, and it's on an onion skin. So you, it's a detail. What, it's what was what was it like putting the front piece on your helmet though? Well, I didn't put the front piece. You did? Uh, the front, my first day there, I wasn't sure about what to do. Do you put the front piece on? Do you not put the front piece on? I think my first couple of tours, I worked without the front piece. And then one of the lieutenants, I can't remember who it was, said, what are you, what are you doing with that? Well, sometimes the captain, he said, ah, no, that's not so, we're, we're putting the front piece on. So they went upstairs and grabbed one out of the office. They had them up there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they gave me one. And it was pretty cool. All of a sudden, there I am looking at my black helmet from 11 truck, taking a little 11 insert out. For those of you that are listening, you know, in the FDNY, we got a big black front piece. And in, in the middle is a square. A lot of people do it now. They're very, your, very your badge number underneath, or your, your badge number, right? It's just I mean, a square, a square letter insert that goes in, and it's you know yellow for the squadron, white numbers, red for the truck with white numbers, black for the engine with white numbers, and for the rescue, of course, it's blue with with the white, you know, one, two, three, four, five on it. So I got the blue one with the white number three on it, and it's the three with this with the straight bar across the top, you know, and then the angle yeah. down, and then and I, and I put it on, and and the rest is history, man. Oh God, God, I just. You know, I mean, I, I thought about that when you're talking about this, because I remember, I remember screwing, you know, the battalion chief 
goalie front piece, you know, on my helmet and, and go, and, it, and it's, you know, it's one of those moments. I don't, I don't want to say it's an, it's necessary egotistical pat myself in the back moment, but it's a, it's a cool moment. It's just, a, it's like the first time you put your, put your gear on the first time you wear that uniform. It's, I mean, I, I think sometimes John, we, we, we play this whole modesty thing so much that we, we don't enjoy the moment. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't, you know, so many people when we're in classes and I'll ask guys, right. We, you and I, we go out to dinner with some great people and we're traveling and we'll get an old timer with us. I go, so what, what was it like back then? What, do you remember your best? And I just want to hear the stories. I want to hear them talk about, you know, Oh geez. Well, I, I remember when we did, you know, just, and I, I think so many, we're, we're just so hell bent on, ah, you know, I'm just doing my job. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, you know, you know, the whole modesty thing that I don't think people are finding their, their moment, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I guess I, there'd be a message right there. If there's young firefighters listening to this, find your moments, man. We're talking about the best moments right now. I think that's what we should call this show. The best moments, find your moment. I mean, whether it's hiring, whether, whether it's, whether it was a, a, a particular job you were on or a boss you worked for, or, right, right. you know, Not just, I'll tell you another thing that happened. Not much happened when I was in 34 engine. 34 engine was the slowest engine in Manhattan in, in 1979, the, the, the year I got assigned there. And I got right out of there as fast as I could. Uh, uh, Pete Riccardi was the uh, big Italian guy with a high, with a very high voice. Pete Riccardi, like that. He was very high voice. <laughs> he was the Manhattan trustee for the whole borough of Manhattan. He was the union delegate, right? For the, and uh, he got me out. Somehow he got me to 11 truck. Don't ask me how he did it. He owed me nothing. I knew nobody. Nobody knew me. But before I left 34 Engine, 34 Engine was right in Midtown Manhattan. You could see the Empire State Building when you stepped out of quarters. You could look up and see it in the sky. It was beautiful. Uh, there was a little heliport right there that the presidents would land at when they came to Midtown Manhattan. Okay. And one day I was working when Ronald Reagan came. Oh, down. your hero. Oh, I'm telling you. Your Ronald hero. Reagan came to down. So we had full gear on. Of course, it was just boots, boots, coat, and helmet, and, and SCBA. And we had a line stretched in. In through the fence, it was a fenced-off area, and three sides were fenced. The fourth side was the bulkhead and the and the, and the Hudson River. So it came in right off the river and landed right on the blacktop. The first one landed, let the press out. The second helicopter lands, it's the president, right? Secret Service, so they had the cars are already there. The doors are open. You can see the like the machine guns and stuff in the pockets on the doors, you know. And helicopter comes in. Ronald Reagan steps off. What does he do? Nope. They're trying to usher him into that limousine. Nope. He walks around the limousine, comes around to us, and comes right down the line, shaking hands, shaking hands, shaking hands, shaking hands. All How awesome is that? Rescue One was there. I remember Barry Mead was there. Uh, the guy whose book I read, I I, I comment about the fire, the fireman. Yeah, yeah. Crucia, uh, uh, George Crucia was there. A photographer was there from the New York Times. Took the picture, made the front page of the New York Times. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm one of the few faces that's not in the picture, but my hand. Is in Ronald Reagan's hand for the picture. Oh God! Yep. What, a, what a great, what a great, and that was one of the best things that ever happened to me when I was in Thirty Four Engine. I, that, met, I met Ronald oh, Reagan. That's that's like you and I meeting Colin Powell, you know, while teaching at, at FDIC. You know, with him being in our ho- the, our, our own hotel. Um, oh God, you're you're hero. I just, you know, I mean, there there's so many there's so many. I'm, you know, riding out with Eddie Enright in the Third Battalion in Chicago. Right now with Ray Hoff on, on, you know, Ray, best man at our wedding. His wife, Barb, was my wife's maid of honor um, on Tower Ladder 10. When Tower oh, Ladder and 10 his, was... And his wife, 
And his wife was the maid of honor too. Yeah, Barb. Barb oh no, yeah. I didn't know that. You yeah, said Ray, Ray was my was best man. man. Barb was. Oh yeah, they just wonderful, wonderful people, great family people. Uh, but a ride with Ray on on Tower Ladder Ten, and then when he made you know battalion, we we're in the fourth battalion, and just you know, and, and things he would do, John, when I was supposed to be riding out with him, like I missed the packs, the hotel fire, you know, that was traumatic for me because it was a bad fire, but I would have been in my video camera, but I can remember I'd fall asleep in my recliner because I was up all night with my own fire and I'd wake up and I'd hear the scanner going and I'd hear him go, you know, battalion four to main and update. They go, go ahead, battalion four. Okay. I got a 400 by 500 one story warehouse. <laughs> we got multiple lines operate tower ladder uh and he was getting ready to turn things over to the deputy district chief when he got there because they boxed it and he'd finish his whole transmission john and they'd go they'd go uh, you know battalion foremast receive he'd go are you listening rick he would say that on the radio to bust my chops and he, he would do that he did like three times just so he'd get you another job and i'm like son of a so i i beat ass to get to get there it's like 20 minutes from my house i get there and we don't catch another fire the rest of the night. And I'm like, of you know, but he on the radio, the whole, are you listening, Rick? But I, I just, you know, I, I tell you, another, another great who I met story is now this, this, this goes all the way up to battalion chief. Now it's, it's 2001 at, at ground zero at the pile with, I'm there one night in the rescue battalion. And uh, John Norman had asked me to stay in the rescue battalion for a couple of months after nine 11, because I think three of the four chiefs got killed. And, uh, and I did. I said, as long as I can go back to the one. And I was a chief for six years on 9-11. I, I was already in the 18th battalion. But um, so there we are. And uh, all of a sudden, word starts to spread. Hey, Bush is coming. What? Yeah, the president's coming tonight. Because they would keep that quiet right until right. he was coming, right until an hour before. And sure enough, he comes. And, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, a, a gigantic crowd. It was a mob scene, you know. And, uh, of course, all the workers, not just firemen, cops, construction workers, everybody who, everybody who was there was working. All of a sudden, everybody start to form up now, right? And, and they have a line. He's going to come right down this line, like a greeting line. But he was the one that was moving. Everybody else was standing still. And uh, another great picture in the newspaper of the, the guy who's with me is shaking his hand. And so you see the back of uh, George Bush's head and this little bit of a side profile and me standing there with my 18th Battalion helmet on and my coat on, right right next to him. Great, great oh, image. Oh, God, how you know? cool. How cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just, I mean, and I'll say it again to our, to our listeners, especially to our young, the young listeners that are out there, the future of the fire service, you know, your future is now um, again, find your moments, the stuff we're talking about, you know, don't just blow them off. I mean, it, you know, it, it sometimes you got to kind of register a good moment to remember it as a good moment later on. Cause there's going to be enough things in your life going on. They're going to suck, you know, because of the job and because of life, life happens. Right. And there's, Sometimes you need to think back, John, I do it, you know, all the years in Louisville, just under 12, you know, Terry reminds me, our good friend, Terry McGrath will remind me of some great things is I, I tend to focus on God. I wish I'd done this better. I wish I'd done that differently. Why did I say that? You know, there's things I wish I could go back and change. You tend to forget all the good times. You forget, you tend to forget all those moments, you know, of, for me, you know, some of my best moments were John as fire chief, you know, was making the phone call. That was my thing. When it was promotion time, you know, when it, when somebody made the announcement, they come in, they're going to retire. I, I couldn't wait. I used to say, look, this is, this is something that I'm going to do. I'm calling so-and-so and I'm going to tell them, Hey, right. you know, I remember, I remember Darren Murray, you know, he was like two days away from the list 
expiring. I mean, it was like, you know, it was going to expire. And I remember calling him on a Saturday morning and I felt bad because it was early. His wife, who's a daughter, she answered the phone and I said, uh, I hope I didn't. Oh, no, no, we've been up, which I found out later. No, they weren't, you know. And I said, can I talk to their sure, chief? I said, are you sure? She said, no, no, we've been up. So I, uh, you know, I can, you know, you know, you can tell what somebody's been. Hey, Chase, right. hey, Darren, I said, hey, I just, I, dude, I, I just wanted to call you. Um, you know, you, you know, you know, the, the driver engineers list is getting ready to expire and um, you're sitting number one. And, you know, I, I just, I, I've been staring at going, God, I just hate to see people die on the list and all that. And I just, I just feel bad, buddy. And, he goes, well, chief, no, it's understandable. And blah, blah, blah. I think he said, I'm going to try hard on the next one again. I said, well, you probably don't need to think about that because, uh, you know, Butch Flanagan, you know, or not Butch, it was uh, 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 Calvin. Calvin Allison said he's retiring and uh, uh, you're getting promoted because of that to driver engineer. And it was silent. And I'm, I'll, I just, those moments, John, you know, Gary I, Apple, you remember Gary, right? You love Gary well. Apple. Gary, picture Gary Apple hanging in my oh. office, 10 feet from me. Gary Apple riding out in the, in the 18th battalion with you retired as a captain. One of my, he and Brian Purcell, Rick Downey, some of my favorite, favorite firefighters. I remember when Butch came in 35 year captain and said, chief, it's time. And I mean, I loved Butch. You know how much I admire Butch. What a great, great. I, I use, I use your phrase all the time. You can send a problem firefighter out to firehouse six to Butch Flanagan, the captain six months later. I don't know what he, as your, you would say, I don't know what he put in him or took out of him, but he fixed them. He sent them back all scored away. Okay. Butch was just great. So he comes in. I said, well, tell you, tell you what I said, uh, you got to do me a favor. Cause Gary had tested and tested a great guy. And he, it just seemed like he always ended up number one or two. And there was just one out of openings, you, you know, test after test. He's sitting number one, John at, I said, Butch, do me a favor. Cause there was nobody talking about retiring and Butch wasn't either. He just came in and said, it's time. Um, <clears throat> I said, how about you call him? How about you call Gary? How about you call him, Butch? He goes, I said, yeah. Cause I had just as much fun with that, John. So in my office, he calls him on his cell phone. He goes, Apple, Butch. Hey, I'm done, buddy. I'm done. Uh, Chief wanted me to call and tell you I'm retiring. Uh, you're next up. You're, you're gonna get. You're gonna get driver. I just wanted to be the one at time. Like, oh, that, I got emotional just watching him tell him. So right. we're having coffee, just visiting. Ten minutes later, and Gary had been running a, a, a landscaping business. Ten minutes later, I look. Uh, he, we're, Butch and I are still talking. He's standing at my door. He's soaking wet, sweating from being outside. He's covered in grass clippings. He goes. This better not be an effing joke. <laughs> he goes, you better not be effing with me. He goes, this, I go, Gary, it, it's true, man. And I, just to see his expression, Daryl Brown, when Daryl made battalion chief as a captain, Daryl's a chief in Grapevine, he actually collapsed and Tim Tittle had to go. I called Daryl in to tell him when he made it. And he actually, he actually, John, Tim grabbed him. He actually collapsed the you know, you think, right. You're studying and you're studying and you're praying and you're, you're talking to God and you're doing, oh, my, you've done it umpteen times. And for me, those were some of my moments because sometimes being a fire chief sucks, man. It sucks with some of the things you have to deal with. And, and, and to be able to do that, to know how hard guys have worked to get promoted, you know, the studying and the time on the job, especially good men and women, right. They're just, you're so, ex you're personally, you're beaming for them. Because you're so excited. Plus, that's the future of your fire department, standard fire. You've talked about before when you see guys who are captains and chiefs now that were probies for you. It's just I, one of those I, special moments. So right? let's shift, let's shift gears. Your first rescue. Oh God. Um first one was uh 
we had we had responded mutually. I was on a truck with with, with uh, truck semi-nights, kind of the same ladder truck you gave us. All right, we used to we used to respond automatic aid from Bedford Park to a lot of towns around Summit, Bridgeview, Justice. So it's one, and I, I think I tell you the story. This is a search question or point. It's one thirty in the afternoon. We go to Bridgeview on Seventy Street next to Kmart. There's these these three story apartment buildings. Okay, with dual stairwells. Anyway, we get there with a the truck assigned to the scene. Bridgeview have a truck. We pull up. There's fire out the third floor balcony and me and john sautier peter said the shift commander yells at us search the building and i look i'm like it's 1 30 in the afternoon what do we what do you mean search the building I, I we should be up there pulling ceiling and do i'm like really i don't get this it's sunny outside it, it, i can remember it like it was yesterday a blue sky so i'm like it's 1 30 what, what the hell are we searching about and i go sir i go search he goes Search the goddamn building. I went, oh, okay. He yelled at everybody here. So me and John, we go up Sautier. We go, the two stairwells, right? There's a front stairwell and the back. So we go up the back stairwell. And while we're, mas I mask up pretty quick. He's masked up. I force the door to the apartment next to it, right? Take a quick duck in there and, and look at the layout because it's going to be reversed. We force the door. And the whole time, John, I'm going, really? Search the building? Search? I, I'm just, I, I was just, I'm like, really? So we force the door. We push in and right there, that's the kitchen, right? We, we get like six feet in there and I go, boop, I go, we got, we got a guy, we got a, we got a victim, you know, down. This guy was wearing, he was, you know, he's wearing just his blue jeans. Apparently he was in bed, a night, a, a night worker, right? A day sleeper stood up. The smoke took him down, boom, down he went. So I'm, I'm like, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe there's a victim in here. It's one 30 in the afternoon. We get him out of the hallway. The guys from bridge, you grab him. You know, I, I mean, I'm holding on to his legs. They go, we got him, we got him. You know, my badge was 22. We got him too, too. And they took him all the way down the stairs, got him outside. Um, he made it for a while, then he, you know, he passed. But I'll never forget, you know, I was more overcome, John, with, I can't believe there's somebody in at 1.30 in the afternoon instead of we just drug somebody out. You know what I'm Because, you, you know, you don't think about that. It's like, and then later on, the emotion hits you, you know. Um, and actually, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back I'm sorry. First one, I tell this story, Eddie Gergitz and I, we're, we're, we're at the firehouse of justice, 530 night, we're doing our part-time shifts, right? And the call comes in, you can hear the speaker, right? The phone call. House fire, south of, or uh, east side of town, back, back by the firehouse, kid trapped, second floor, bedroom on the right. Bedroom, the, whole, the whole way there, they're telling us, you, got, you know, right? We got a kid, you know, trapped on the second floor, bedroom. We get there, there's smoke showing, I grab the nozzle because I'm bigger than Eddie. Eddie's a good guy. Ricky Simmons, our officer. We get in there. I get up the stairs. One of our sergeants who was a volunteer at the time, he's on the stairwell laying there with a garden hose in one hand. I always say with a donut in the other. And he's trying to spray water. And they're all yelling. So we get up there. I'm look, thinking a kid, right? A kid. And we, I, I, I hit the fire. We take a window. The smoke starts to lift. And Eddie's on his knees next to his bed with his flashlight going up this kid's body. But it was a 20-year-old kid, 220 pounds, was in his bedroom doing drugs, laid down his bed, poured gasoline on himself, and set himself on fire. You remember this whole story. And so, and so we go, I go over, I'm trying to help Eddie. We're trying to get him out of bed. He's in a waterbed. That's a story for another dead day, you know, about why the waterbed didn't burst, you know, the whole bird cup thing I talk about. And we're trying to pull me slipping because he's burned the waterbed. We get him outside. I'll never forget. I don't know how Phil Cole started two lines of this guy as burned up as he was, you know, he lived to about three 45 in the morning, but I'll tell you, John, the whole, I'm looking, I'm thinking of a kid, you know, the mindset, a kid, right, right, I'm thinking right. of a kid, kid. And it was a 20 year old 
kid. That was somebody's son. Right. You know, so that was actually before the one, uh, you know. So there's a couple already, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people in the fire service never never get involved in a single rescue. It's not a common, common occurrence, you know. Oh, it's, it's you know. And I mean, I was lucky, too. I was, I was, a, where was I? An 11 truck, that place that I got to, right? Yeah, yeah. I was still a fourth grade firefighter, right? And Sunday morning, checking a rig, blah, 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 coffee, again, beautiful day. And all of a sudden, a run comes in. Not too far away, maybe five blocks away, uh, on Houston Street. Houston Street's the major avenue there. It's like two, two lanes in each direction and, a, and an island in the middle. And this is a crappy neighborhood. Now, the Lower East Side was still pretty shitty back then. And uh, it was an intersection job. It was, it was a building corner. Apparently, a lot of people were there already. Because it was a day fire, because it was 11 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and a lot of people were home, there was a big crowd in the street already around the building. And we come screaming in with the sirens going and all that. And the crowd saw it just like, you, you ever see that, the, the, uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas, when he yeah. come down with the sled down to Whoville, <laughs> and there's a big crowd of people, and, and the people just go, whoop, and they open up, and they slide in with the sleigh. We did the same thing. Sirens blasted. All of a sudden, the crowd just sort of separated. We rolled in with the two rigs, 28-11, jumped off the rig. Up we go. Smoke showing out the front fire escape. And, and uh, uh, my, my lieutenant, uh, I'll think of his name in a minute. The three of us go up there. I can't even remember who was, who was the other guy working. I can't even remember who was, the, who was the irons guy. The can in the irons. I obviously had the can. I was the fourth grade firefighter. And uh, Jerry Kelly was the lieutenant. And we get up there, st- stairs to the rear, get to the top, make the U-turn. It was the rear door. In we go. And uh, making our way through, making our way through railroad apartment, through, you know, through each room, going straight. And then we get to the front room, which is where the fire was. We go in. Jerry Kelly goes to the left, and I go to the right. And there's a bed right there. Reach up on a bed. Boom. Little baby. I got a little oh my baby God. in my hand. Like, like a three-year-old, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe two years old. I used to remember the name. I have, I have it in my, in, my, uh, in my book, in my newspaper clippings. Grabbed her. I was like, holy shit, I got a baby. I got, I, I got a victim. Right? And we went right to the front window because a couple of guys, OV, had come up the front. was taking the front windows now. The engine was coming in behind us. We went right over to the window. I handed the baby right out to the OV. Uh, and, and, and he carried the baby down like one, I think, one, one fire escape balcony down. And 18 truck put the towel ladder up, which I was later a lieutenant in 18 truck. They put the towel ladder up and put the baby in. And I never did see the baby again. I saw it for 15 seconds from when I found it in the bed, which was burning. And I brought it to the front and handed it out, you know. And... Uh, there was some there was some discussion about the guy in the fire escape wanted to get credit for the rescue because he brought the baby down, but everything ended up being fine. I ended up, I ended up getting a medal for that, which was which was well, pretty good. The division it, commander wrote the fact that I was a fourth grade firefighter, blah blah blah, and uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just doing what I was told, you know, and worked out. Well, what you were trained well. to do, what you were told, and so so it, it, there's two things I want you to talk about before we finish things out here. Okay, um, one is. And I, and, and I know, you know, like I said, I, I, I use this phrase for you all the time. A lion doesn't have to tell you he's a lion. John Salka doesn't go. And then I was crawling down the hallway. You know, I'm the one that talks about the fact that, you know, you, you'll say things like, yeah, when I was captain of 40 engine, we went to, we never let, went less than 6,000 runs a year. And you say that because look, we never dipped under 6,000 runs a year and we still had time to train. So stop your bullshit that you can't train, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. There's always time to train. And I'm the one that goes, yeah. And that was like 10 fires a day back then. And, you know, the Bronx was burning all that stuff. You know, one of the other things I talk about, and, and again, you like Chief Joe and like the Pete Gancys and the Ray Downies and the Patty Browns and all those, the, the Butchie Cobbs and the, and the Mickey Cowboys. And I can just go on and on. Talk briefly. You, you received 
this is historical, you received the Bell Club's uh, first medal for valor, didn't you? And we think it was the first medal because I remember when, when they honored you when you retired, they told me the whole story. John, you know, John Salka, Chief Salka was one of the first recipients of, or the first recipient. Just, you know, take us through that incident briefly here, you know, as to what got you to that point, because it also has, we also tie to our May Day classes as well. True, true, true. It was, um, yeah, 84 was the first time they gave that medal out, the uh, the Fiber Club sponsored, and, and to this day they do that medal. Actually, a bunch of people I know have gotten that medal since then. Oh, very is, cool. Which is pretty interesting. Um, including Gillespie, uh, the guy who's out in, in, in North Charleston with, with, uh, with Brian. So, um, yeah, what happened at that fire was I was, again, I was working at 11 Chopped, and uh, we went to a second alarm on, uh, again, I forget, I think 21st Street, maybe. Way out of our re response area. Very nice, very nice up, upper upper class neighborhood. And uh, we went on a second alarm. Gene Doctor was a deputy. I remember him. He was very, very bright, uh, organized, professional, knowledgeable deputy. And we got there and they sent us up to, uh, I think they originally sent us up to the top floor. It was it was a six-story, like a new law tenement. There was a couple, several of them connected to each other. Apparently, it was an old Civil War prison at one time. But anyway, they sent us up. And from the front, it looked like a six-story building, but actually it was seven. They had extended the roof. They had popped the roof up a little bit in the middle and made another hallway and some rooms. But you couldn't see it from the street. So, of course, we didn't count, which was a mistake. We just walked up the stairs until we got to the top floor. So we ended up on that little seventh floor. And, and we ran into trouble up there. It was very smoky. This fire was it was a renovated building. Fire going through all the walls and everywhere. And uh, on, like, five different floors. Ended up being, like, a fifth alarm. So uh, we get up there. And, uh, again, I, don't, I was with Jerry Kelly again. And, and, and Freddie uh, Schwartzrock was the show for the senior man. And somehow, I don't know how I got separated. We were going down opposite ends of the hallway. Somehow I stumbled on him. He was, he was like semi-conscious on the floor already. Uncaught, you know, with his mask off. And he was a big boy. I didn't have a radio. I, could, I, I couldn't call for help. I should have remembered he had a radio and, and used his, but I didn't. And uh, I tried this to is back when This is back when not everybody had a radio, right? But when we right, talk about right. where the radios. I was one of them. So uh, he was at a doorway that he was apparently trying to force. I tried to force it. Turns out those top floor, those seventh floor doorways were not really openable. They, it was a duplex. The sixth floor below and the seventh floor were part of the same apartment. And they had a nice little stair where they went up to, to the top. And most people had beds or dresses and stuff in front of it and just used the top floor as a bedroom that they accessed from the floor below, which is the way they went in and out. So we were trying to force a door that wasn't going to open anyway. I eventually started running low on air. I started sharing my air with Freddie, which was, I still think to this day, wasn't a bad idea because I was helping him. But it turns out it was a bad idea. Now the both of us ended up messed up. And somehow Jerry Kelly came. I was yelling for help, I think. And they found us. And they, I remember telling him, call him Mayday, call him Mayday, you know. And he did. And, of course, nothing happened when he called him Mayday because it was such a gigantic job with so many people. We didn't really know where we were. It took a long time for people to get there. Finally, we did get Freddie out. So in the end, it did work out. They got me out. Then we got Freddie out. We had to tie him with a big old manila life-saving rope and, and hoist him from the top floor hallway up to the scuttle cover onto the roof which is where we all were and they had to take him down via towel ladder he never worked again after that not in the field he he did recover and he, and he survived we both ended up in a hospital that night ed Koch came to visit us and everything else it was quite a uh, was kind of dramatic story but and, and he's and he's alive today i'm 70 i'm 63 he's probably 75 now you know he's probably wow. something like that and he's still alive he's got two boys that were on a job and he's a grandpa and everything else and that was a that turned out to be a great uh, a great event 
Well, little, I, little, but a message about about knowing May Day, about having a radio or not having a radio. And why did you give a May Day? Because I didn't have a radio. I couldn't give a. I was unable to give a radio. Impossible to give. Yeah, a for those for those departments that still don't equip their people with radios, there's a message for you. Shame on you. you know, Shame on you. Can't you, you know what? Don't even talk May Day because you can't even call it. You know, you better be training your people. But well, you know, God, this is this needs to be one of those. Um, you know, like we do those other shows about what you need to know, you know, and we right, just right. talk about different topics. We need to do more of these, the best moments. And because uh, uh, there's so many right now, there's something I think of. And, you know, we always try to end these, you know, between 30 and 45 minutes ish, you know, so people can. I hope you wrote stuff. that idea down before that I mentioned. I said, write that down. It's good for oh, another show. I've, I've got it written out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but that being said, um, uh, I, I guess the message to our, again, to our followers, John, to the, 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 the people that were honored that tune in and listen, uh, find your moment. We're talking about the best moments, find your moment. You probably already had that. You know, I always ask that question. Do you remember the phone call? Did you get the email? Do you remember what, when you got notified? Do you remember when you graduated Academy? Do you remember you first fired? Do you remember your first time ride backwards? Do you remember the first time you actually rode in a jump seat and now how the sirens sounded differently than when you're outside in traffic as a civilian, it's blown the opposite way, and your people yep. are looking at you. And you know, the first day in the front seat. Oh, you know? first day, the first time, really, truly, not just acting up, but serving that position. There's so many wonderful, great, as you will, best moments. Don't blow them off. The, the, you know, this career flies by. We talked about this the other day. In the blink of an eye, you're like, God, I. It was just like I hear all the time. It was just like yesterday. I was in the academy. Well, you know what? It was just like yesterday. So, so find your moment enjoy the hell out of it man this is the coolest job in the world the best job in the world volunteer career don't matter being a firefighter is the coolest thing in the world find those moments right find those moments absolutely all right if they want to get a hold of you email buddy chief john salka at gmail.com and i'm chief lasky at gmail.com and uh we want to wish you a, a very safe and happy holiday season merry christmas uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, that being said, we always ask you at the end of all of our shows to please keep the men and women, uh, especially this holiday season, in armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means just that, never forgetting. Take care, be careful, and God bless you.